0: Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. (laughs) Hello, Uh, welcome to this week's Painting of the Week. I'm Phil. And I'm Laura. And um, (laughs) today we are talking about Portrait of Pope Innocent X, by Diego Velázquez. And for those of you who have have access to a computer or laptop, iPhone, whatever, uh, if you go to the 7th Art Productions website and click on the painting of the week, um, you'll be able to access the painting and you can look at the painting while we natter about it. (laughs) Um, The reason that... I've chosen this one this week is because um, last week uh, I was actually fortunate enough to be in Rome and standing in front of this painting in real life. Um, So it seemed an appropriate one to talk about. Obviously with COVID, there's been so much less traveling. Um, And um, so it was great to get to Rome and I saw a lot of artwork and this is one that I have seen before and always stands out to me. So, um, (laughs) Diego Belazquez is one of the great Spanish artists, uh, obviously up there with uh, Goya and uh, El Greco. Um, And uh, this was um, a portrait he did in 1650 uh, of the Pope, obviously, And um, it is now in a wonderful palace, uh, which is known as the Galleria Doria Pamphili in Rome. Um, Rome, on this most recent trip, I decided that Rome is surely the most beautiful city in the world. I'm sure next time I go to Paris, I'll feel bad about Paris or... Madrid. Madrid. But Rome (laughs) is utterly extraordinary. And on this particular trip... Uh, I went to see a lot of art and I went into a lot of these old palaces, uh, the Barberini, um, the Borghese, um, and it's just to name but two. Uh, And it's extraordinary. There was this period in the, you know, around the 1500s and 1600s when there was this concerted effort to rebuild Rome as the center of of a Christian empire. And alongside the theology, integral to the theology perhaps, was a very determined um, pan-European organization collecting taxes. There's a lot of money coming into Rome. And people built these extraordinary palaces, extraordinary churches. And in both cases, they filled them with art. And that, as an aside, kind of fascinates me. You know, I think that if you were to interview our most recent, let's say the last 30 years, when I've been really cognizant of our British government, if you were to talk to our prime ministers and even our ministers of culture, and asked them, how many operas did you actually go to? And how many paintings, how many times did you go to an exhibition? Have you ever commissioned a painting? I think we'd be quite shocked at how little interest they pay. Whereas at this time in history, yeah. <laughs> these guys, these cardinals and these dukes and, you know, whatever, uh, were buying, exchanging, hoarding, commissioning. Art was extremely important. And indeed, if you want to take it back even further, I mean, part of this is because they're trying to recreate a Christian empire on the basis of what they perceived and understood to have been the Roman Empire. And the importance of art to the Romans, the ancient Romans, was huge. And again, I, you know, something that I think we could learn from in, in, in this country today.
1: It's just funny you say that because it is actually quite amusing that we don't actually... Seem to base that much importance on art.
0: No, we, I mean, you know, and
1: I haven't seen an interview with any of our politicians or anyone that says what you know what art galleries you go to. It'd be good.
0: I mean, we used to, um, when we did a lot of television art programs, um, and we did a lot, we would often, based on the big exhibitions, that's say the National or the Tate, uh, we would have. When the film was finished and, and in the week before it was being screened, we would have a breakfast um, event at, say, the National Gallery. Lovely. Where an hour before the gallery opens, we would invite the hoi polloi to come, have, brec- you know, have yeah, the croissant coffee and stuff. Oh. <laughs> and then, not, not, the bacon, not the bacon and sausages then? No bacon sausages. Oh, no, no fried on, food. <laughs> but then with our presenter, Tim Marlowe... Oh who's who's not only a fantastic presenter but a fantastic kind of guide, mm-hmm. they would then have this privileged access to a Rembrandt, to a Goya, to whatever the exhibition was, with Tim taking them round and in fifty minutes giving them a you know guided tour. And it constantly struck me how few members of Parliament came. There was the occasional occasional one. Uh, and and they may be busy they may not be busy but you know to come at 8:30 in the morning and spend 50 minutes looking through you know the portraits of goya or whatever it might be yeah so i and I, and I, and personally of course being a great advocate for art i think it shows in in the way they behave and the way they legislate that they are disconnected from great music great opera great art in the way that I perceive them to be. Now, that's not to say that I have, I, I can really offer a view on Pope Innocent Tenth.
1: Um, <laughs> I've got a cup of tea. I hope everyone knows. <laughs> I haven't got a croissant. I haven't got a oh. cup of tea. <laughs> because <laughs> but, obviously for me, this is the first time I've seen this painting.
0: <laughs> but, you know, he was at this time, one of the most powerful men in the world um and belazquez has been you know commissioned to paint his portrait it is technically astounding um and again this is a good moment to maybe pause (laughs) us and just look at the painting and again it's it's extraordinary to think that this starts as just a white piece of, you know, just a piece mm. of white canvas.
1: Mm. And he's only used three colours. Actually, I have to say, obviously, this is the <laughs> first time I've seen this painting. And then as I um, looked it up, they said, oh, this is potentially one of the best painting, uh, portrait paintings ever. Yeah. I was like, oh, OK. Well, i better have a really good look at this then. And then, uh, so did you think that when you stood in front of it? Is it big?
0: It's Francis Bacon, isn't it? That says it's one of the greatest portraits. I
1: don't know. No, I don't know has who ever said been that.
0: Made. I don't know about that. And I know that Francis Bacon, he became obsessed by those books. Yes.
1: Well, that's what I was telling you because when I looked right. up, I tried to go for a book first yeah. because I do think I like to try and. And I've got this book from a charity shop, which, like I said to you, what makes great art 80 masterpieces. And I looked up Velasquez and he wasn't even in there. So I thought, oh, it's obviously not a very good book. But the Francis Bacon study
0: of... 300 years later.
1: Yes, 1953, is in there. It's definitely not... uh, There's not a lot of similarities to it, except he doesn't... I don't think he quite likes...
0: Well, I know which one I'd have in my front room, I Mm -hmm. must be honest, but um, that's just me. Mm. But Bacon said that um this portrait haunts me and opens up all sorts of feelings and areas of imagination even with me mm. what amazes me about this painting and again it's 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 almost like witchcraft it is technically really something else and yet you're not seeing a a, a 2d flat white canvas anymore you are seeing a three-dimensional human being sitting in a chair, and you know, Velazquez has chosen to depict him in a certain way, which which evokes and displays certain emotions. Um, look at his face. Let's yeah, start with let's start yeah. with his face. You know, what what is that face? How do you how do you? I mean, you know, look at that face and think, how is that man feeling? I mean, and and then... I think he feels quite confident in himself. Do you think so? I think he looks kind of like he, he's, he's just like, get on with it. I've got a lot oh, to do. Oh, okay. You think that? I think there's an irritation mm. there. Yes, okay. He's certainly confident. I mean, he's the Pope.
1: <laughs> That's a point.
0: <laughs> and, um, you know. I forgot about this. He's got as much power as any <laughs> any man could possibly want. Yeah. He's got the top job. Yeah. Um, so he should be confident, I'm assuming, yes. But there's a humanity about him, isn't there? I mean, I mean, these were ordinary human beings that had worked their way up and, you know, had made themselves or had been voted, you know, elected Pope.
1: I don't know, but, looks a little bit sort of, I don't know, he's a little bit smug. Is that a, a, the wrong word to use? I don't know.
0: I'm not um, sure this is my
1: favourite painting, Phil. No,
0: that's, that's fine. That's good. It's just
1: quite good, isn't it?
0: And, and normally, you know, a portrait of a Pope would not be, you know, broadly speaking, if you said, let's go and have a look at some portraits of Popes, mm. not necessarily going to mm. get me out of my chair.
1: I can see what you're saying about te-
0: technically. Yeah, but look, don't, he, but don't you think... He's he's definitely, he's captures the way he captures his face. But don't you think he's on the verge of standing there? say so that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm gone done. now. He must he's have, just not a very patient man then. No, he's, he's he, he seems... He seems somewhat reluctant to be there. Mm. He probably he's probably been told by an aide, "Look, you've got to have your portrait done." And Velazquez is one of the great Spanish painters, mm-hmm. so just you know. And I imagine that took a bit of time. Give him an hour. An hour. But there's like there's like, <laughs> wait, well, how much time? You know, I mean, it's like the Queen. The Queen will only sit. She for wouldn't it. sit there for too long, would she? I suppose. But there's a quizzical look in his eye.
1: Mm.
0: Um, he's staring straight at the painter. Yeah. And it's almost like uh, there is that. I think there is that sense of look. And he's even got something in his hand. Look, I've got to go and sort this out. Um, are you finished yet? You know. But the uh, thing that's so extraordinary is, imagine being a painter and trying to capture that. Yeah. Um, um, he's 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 definitely the. He's got Photoshopped
1: down to a fine art in the in the di- back in the day, because he 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 really everyone. All the all the work I've just done is is just technically incredible, so he obviously captures people so well. And actually, in actual fact, wouldn't you love it if he was on National Portrait Artist of the Year on Sky Arts? You know they do that program. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be fabulous to get somebody like that on that program and no one know and see if they won?
0: <laughs> well, <that's good.
1: laughs> yeah, if <it'd> you're <be> brilliant. <laughs>
0: So Doreen from Dorking, that was a great portrait. Now next up, we've got Diego from Madrid. Yeah, but they say he lost. I know, <laughs> and they're
1: saying he's the best.
0: I've often thought that actually, where if you, you know, <laughs> into those kind of those kind of shows, if you put a world famous photographer or a world famous singer or
1: oh god, there's 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 a program right there, Phil. It'd be so good.
0: Okay, okay sorry, but back to Diego. Back to it. So, um, <laughs> now, Velazquez, um, he's no fool. And, you know, he's painting the Pope here. So, he's, he's, I, I, we know that he's softened him around the edges. So, how old do you think this guy is?
1: Um, oh, now I've got to be careful. What is a Pope? Let me go 60... Th- mm, no, he's got to be a bit older, hasn't he? Seven, okay, 68... Oh,
0: not bad. Seventy six. Okay. And um various accounts described him as being quite ugly. He's not he's I wouldn't no- say ugly. Nothing ugly about him there.
1: Mm. I, well, I'm always really careful with the word ugly anyway.
0: Yes, yeah, true. Uh,
1: there is no there is no ugly
0: yeah, necessarily
1: enough. to look at. It's, it's mm, I yeah. go with personality on that one.
0: Okay, that's yeah, a fair point. That's me. Um and um I, I, you know, sometimes you, you you know that the painter and the sitter have a rapport and you can see that in the painting. And sometimes you know that there is a respectful distance. Oh, OK. Now, the Spanish, you know, Goya and Velázquez are well known for being quite honest with their portraits and being part of the Spanish court and, um, you know, perhaps. Almost painting as though they were taking liberties. Frankly, it almost seems you know. You think you know. Look at Philip's chin. How do you get away with painting such a big chin? And but I mean, but they they do get away with it. Um, I think that here, the painting is is slightly more cautious. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think he, yeah you don't want to, I don't think you want to upset him. But he's still yeah. captured. And again, he might only have had a brief period, but he captures so many things that as I say, that sense of I'm off. Mm. That sense of I don't know, is there some vanity there, some pomposity? Um maybe there's a slight smile on his lips, I'm not sure. I think there might be now. Now
1: I started to really look at it.
0: But the eyes don't don't look like they're smiling, mm. do they? Um
1: yeah,
0: and again, you you mentioned earlier on about the the colours. It's a very limited palette.
1: Well, when I read up, they said three paint, three colours: red, white, and gold. Didn't, red, white, and gold. Didn't seem to suggest there was any other ones at all.
0: So very lush reds. Mm. You know, look at those velvet curtains. Mm. You know, mm. um, the chair that he's sitting, the throne that he's sitting on. Beautiful. I mean, it's just so solid, and that's all you need to know about his position, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, he's absolutely. And I do love his red cape, actually. And again, and actually, that, what is, the white, yeah. The, the brush strokes on that white sort of gown. What's that fabric around the bottom here?
0: Sort of looks a bit, yes. I wonder what that is. Well, he's kind of, I mean, again, he's been very clever. Mm. And, and part of the three dimensionality of it is that, the nearer physically that the, the sitter is, the Pope is, the brighter it is. Yeah. So the background, you obviously can't just have one block of red. So, you know, there's, there are actually kind of shades of red. But as each fold gets slightly nearer to us, you can see where the folds are. Yeah. And it's slightly lighter. And then there's just a little touch of, of white, but not bright white. It's kind of just lightening the red a little bit, just on the edge of the fold. Then you come to his face and, and the top half of his body. Again, it's, it's brighter, but it's not bright white. But then when you get to his lower half of his body, that white is, is coming straight at us. And Mm -hmm. it just, it just makes things feel like they're, they're almost coming out of the, the plane and, you know, into our space
1: So when you see this, you saw this painting last week. Yeah. Did you, I mean, do you really, you've seen it before anyway. Do you, do you really love it?
0: Yeah. Mm. And actually part of it is interesting. Part of it, one has to say, is the way in which it's presented. Mm. I mean, I've been to see masterpieces um, where they're just on the wall, not very well lit. Right. In fact, Rome's a bit guilty of this. Some of those palaces I just mentioned Actually, the lighting, of the, and, and in Naples too, the lighting's very poor. Right, okay. Uh, this one, they know, at the Galleria Doria Pamphili, they know this is a great painting.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it
0: has its own room. Oh, right. And it's a dark room and it's, it's well lit. Um, so that also amplifies the sense of yeah. masterpiece, the sense of icon.
1: Yeah, definitely. If you've got your own um, room.
0: But when you go into that darkened room, and this is basically all that's in there, all that's lit, yeah, it's it is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you get if you get close to it, it becomes a bit blurry. And you know, step away from it, and all of a sudden, and we talked about this in another Painting of the Week podcast. About, you know, talk about quantilism, and using points of color. Mm that sense of everything comes together at about you know two metres away
1: yes Um, yes they were saying that about the chair and about the brush strokes on the on the gold
0: which when you step back it totally looks like metal and bear in mind this is a this is a formal portrait so he's taking a a creative risk here Mm. Um, I mean on that the 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 what he's wearing, the lower half of what he's wearing um, it's called an ALB, A-L-B. Ah, oh, okay. And that cascade of kind of lace and cotton and, you know, that's, thats it's almost like, you know, Niagara Falls. Yeah. Um, quite unlike, you know, other formal portraits. Um, interesting though, I'll tell you what it reminds me of. It I was, it, it was about 300 and... <laughs> 30 years later but um in my school they had the portraits of the headmasters all right and it was quite interesting there there too the earlier ones from like the 1930s 1940s were 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 very formal and they were trying to be as photorealistic as they could be they're trying to be like look like the actual person sitting in a yeah. chair or standing or whatever and actually, as we came into the 60s and 70s, I mean, I remember, you know, standing in assembly and looking at these portraits, they start to become a bit freer in the brushstroke and a bit more, uh, you can't really call it impressionistic, but, you know, a bit more like this.
1: Okay. They weren't wearing uh, white they, lacy dresses, though.
0: They, no, they weren't. <laughs> 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 but they were sitting on their own thrones. Okay. My headmaster was quite a short man. Mm-hmm. And if you got called to the headmaster's office, and I admit that I did from time to time. Oh,
1: I love this feel. Come on. Um, It's so good.
0: His chair was deliberately um, set to high (laughs) so that he was looking down on you rather than you looking down on him. Oh, okay. I remember that. He he always had to jump down off the chair when he stood up. (laughs) Like
1: in Shrek, Lord Farquhar. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I love him,
0: <laughs> I love Shrek,
1: and I love Lofar. <laughs>
0: um
1: we have done it. <laughs> okay so did do you know if Pope Innocent actually did like this painting after he'd done it,
0: or do we not know? Well, we do know that it was Pope Innocent the X's desire to be painted by Belathkeff? Oh. Um, we do know that the portrait was shown shortly after completion in the Pantheon in Rome, which is one of the greatest buildings on the planet, Right, built by the Romans in the 1st century AD, at uh, the uh, time of Augustus, a guy called Agrippa. Anyway, the largest concrete dome until the building of the Paris Opera right. in the 20th century. Remains to this day Utterly extraordinary Raphael's tomb is in there
1: Well I've got to go to Rome
0: I haven't been to Rome Rome Definitely Yeah um, Obviously when the uh, When we start putting advertising On these podcasts And the money starts flooding in <laughs> Get yourself I, Get yourself I'll off Rome i am
1: going to go on a train yeah. I fancy doing the train to Rome Brilliant Well as it goes I'm going to Liverpool next weekend And I've never been there either
0: There you go So Ticking them off one by <laughs> one Um <laughs> Rome's oh,
1: I really 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 want to go so my dad when, when he was younger he went on a little trip around Italy in a Fiat 500 with his friends he never ever stopped talking about the Treffy Fountain oh, yeah. and the Amalfi Coast so that was basically where we were so I'm, I'm, Rome is definitely on my list and I've got you, to go and do that for my dad
0: oh well you definitely won't be disappointed no um Yeah, I have I I have to go back to Rome too. Maybe we could do a, a podcast uh podcast in Rome. yeah. That'd podcast trait amazing. Can you imagine? When this, um, when, oh. this when this oh, I'm
1: exhausted, Phil. <laughs> Can you imagine those those paintings? Oh yeah. <laughs> I'd have to look every single one up. <laughs> um
0: when um this was shown at the Pantheon though, there was a one critic uh who dismissed the rest of the art as mere art, but called this this work truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are some paintings which just connect with you. And I know this isn't one for you, but
1: well, um, I can see how amazing it is. Uh, but uh, he did also do, didn't he, the Rokeby Venus? Yeah, which is really really famous. Yeah, um, and obviously that's. I think a lot of people discuss that now as well. So, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I think technically, obviously I can see how amazing they are. But I just wondered why people write, oh, it's he's the best portrait artist or the best portrait arter, artist. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell, except the fact that you, they are the character that, that he brings out, the people you can... We could sit and discuss it all day what that man was like.
0: We can, but um it's quite interesting that the Pope, when he saw it, he, his comment was "E troppo vero." It's too true." <laughs> because I was too. it was too. Oh. <laughs> and it's interesting, isn't it, with photographs, we're all snapped and take selfies I mean, oh, end, yeah. endlessly. yes. I don't know how often I look at a picture a photograph that's taken of me and think, yeah, that that's caught me." Oh, no. Um but occasionally I think yeah, actually, yeah, that's that's and it's probably those ones where you're not you're caught a little bit off guard, you're not even aware mm. the picture's been taken. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm not so good at selfies, I almost mess them up, but yeah. But there's plenty that you look at and you're like, Oh, i am gonna delete that one. Or delete that one. But yeah. It don't so, upset him though, I don't think. I really don't. I think yeah. I wonder if he changed it a little bit because he sent that.
0: No, he would not no, I don't think so. Velázquez then um he stayed in Rome um you know he was the court painter in Madrid mm. Philip the fourth, fourth. Mm. um he stayed in Rome uh fathered a child called Antonio, don't know what happened to him um and probably would have stayed there longer, but you know being a court painter, he had to do what he was told and he was summoned back to Spain.
1: I read somewhere that at some stage, Philip IV, uh, Peter Paul Rubens came and stayed at his palace and they thought they might be a bit competitive, but they actually got quite
0: good friends. In Madrid?
1: Yeah. It was quite nice. So that uh, he was there for nine months at the court and they thought they could get a bit competitive with each other, but actually they, they seemed to get on,
0: which was quite nice. That's interesting because Rubens is an interesting chap. He um, he's in. Rubens. Well, we might have to cut this bit out. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not necessarily. Well, no, because
1: Rubens. That's is... what I read. No, uh, Sixteen twenty eight. Peter Paul Rubens stayed at the court for nine months, oh. and they actually got on very well.
0: Rubens is also um, comes to Rome when Caravaggio is painting. Oh, ah. Caravaggio! And um, oh, yeah, because you said, didn't you? He was very influenced by and impressed by Caravaggio. And in fact, did did some copy. Did you say he did, did some, some copies? copies? And mm. you know, they're quite important copies. Ah, um, yeah. So I just wondering. I'm just going oh. to look up now how how long Rubens lived for. Well, maybe I've got it wrong because no, a no, lot no. of the things I
1: do read and unfortunately I have to get it off the internet, which sometimes is incorrect. Yeah. But I thought it was quite nice that they got on.
0: Well it must have it must have been yeah, Rubens dies in sixteen forty. Mm. So it must have been before he does his painting. So he's he's come to Madrid while is making his way. Yeah, sixteen twenty
1: eight. I wrote oh, it. Oh sorry you
0: did say sixteen twenty eight, mm. yeah, okay.
1: Well that's what yeah, that's what I wrote down. So I yeah. thought it was quite nice. You know me, I like things like that.
0: Yeah. Well and again, that is interesting because You know, there's no internet, obviously, in those days. There's no Mm. television. There's no video. There's no photographs. So how does a a painter in Spain learn from what's happening in Rome or learn what's happening, you know, in the Hague or Mm. Amsterdam? Yeah. Well, either through um, some form of copy or through travelling and seeing it for themselves or if the artists themselves then came. So... Rubens is interesting because not only is he a great artist, not my favourite, but not he's a great artist nevertheless. But he went to Italy and he mixed with the artists and he would have told them and he then did copies and he would maybe have some of those copies with him when he then goes somewhere else. So he's almost like a conduit for the development of art history, um, you know, moving from yeah. the Netherlands to Italy, to Spain or to Spain and to Italy. Um, so he would have talked. No doubt, he would have talked to Velazquez about Caravaggio.
1: Yeah, it's funny you say about well, you think about when we travel now with our little suitcases, and they would have been travelling about them with all these copies and paintings. It's quite something.
0: Yeah, it'd be I mean, it'd be interesting to know where they kind of had little, little. Um, you know, if they took copies um, with them.
1: Well, maybe people, maybe somebody knows about this, and maybe they could write and let us know or tell us.
0: Yeah. Because, as always, we bring up more questions than answers. Info. No, I, I know that No, Come on. <laughs> I don't know. You've given more answers than questions to me.
1: Today, yes.
0: I'm definitely yeah, getting a bit more knowledgeable. But info <laughs> at 7th mm. um, is is... is Place that people want to send us any uh, comments or suggestions, actually, we get quite a lot of suggestions for for paintings, some of which we've obviously followed through yes um, I've had a lot of people say things, which is quite nice but this this period of the baroque i, I, I think people are a bit scared of the term Baroque, but it actually is a, it's a fascinating period, not least because of Caravaggio of course um, yeah. well i'm really lucky because i'm not
1: scared of any of it because i didn't really know any of it until I met you or. Not until I met you, until we started doing this. I wasn't really, did I? I mean, I think when I was at school, we learned about trade unions and stuff like did that. Did you? Yeah, we didn't do... I didn't do any history of art like this at all. So you
0: kind of... It's probably even less being taught now, sadly. I mean, I mean our, Actually, yeah, I wonder. Our current government was trying to mm. end history of art as an A-level, yeah. which is what 17 and 18s do, for those of you not in the UK. Um.
1: Yes, we did all Toll Puddle Martyrs and things like that. So we didn't really do any of it. It's funny, isn't it, when you think about it, what you learn, and then if you stop doing history, which is a bit of a shame, really, that you do stop doing history, but...
0: Yeah. I think it's madness because through through a painting you can mm. learn about history. Well, I especially yes, someone was to say to especially me, especially oh. when we did you know with Napoleon. But imagine someone was to say, okay, today's lesson is the Papacy. Oh my god, you know, you, <laughs> if somebody said, okay, we're going to look at this painting. Yeah. And by looking at this particular painting Pope Innocent the 10th, mm. you could talk about how did he become pope? How was the pope mm. voted? What were his powers? To what extent was he a, did he concentrate on the theological side of being Pope? And what extent did he concentrate on collecting taxes and enforcing yeah. his will? Um, what role did art play? Who, where would this portrait have gone? Who'd have seen it? Mm. What was the relationship between a court and the court painter? How much freedom did Velázquez have in the court of Spain? Did he have to gen- no, genuflect the whole time? Or could he be quite chatty? We're having this conversation at the moment with, about, with Caravaggio. So we know that Caravaggio painted in the house of a particular guy called Del Monte. And people just assume that they would have had these conversations about yeah. art and about life and about this, that, and the other. But uh, would they? I mean, he would, might have been working in the basement and Del Monte might have been three floors up and the two may never have, you know. You do, I think it's actually a way better way of teaching history. Yeah. When we did that death of Murat, which I didn't know, I mean, look at me then. Exactly. I
1: and mean, we're going right back now. French Revolution. Exactly. And I did not know. I don't really know anything about
0: it. In fact, all the paintings. So, uh, <laughs> well, Bridget Riley, yeah. swinging, swinging sixties. Um, Girl with pearl earring. Yeah. The importance of maritime trade in the in the building of a country like Amsterdam, uh, like the Netherlands. And then we did what? Well, Howard Hodgkin. Hodgkin, that. the Empire. Yeah. British it, Empire. What a great way of looking at the British Empire with you know. I think we started we're on something here, Phil we could be, <laughs> history through art history through art and the way in which we think we understand art through those paintings that have survived give you two examples. I may have mentioned this before forgive me if I have <laughs> we think of the Greeks and we think of those beautiful white sculptures you know yeah live human forms in white marble actually they 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 their paintings, a lot of their kind of more uh, down-to-earth art, have simply disappeared. And even those, even a, those statues, like the Venus de Milo, which is now in the Louvre, would have been painted yeah. in a way that we think of as really garish—bright reds and bright blues. Oh, right. yes. and, but that it gets washed off, it, it, it disappears, and the marble stays behind.
1: Yeah, and I did learn that from you. You did mention
0: that before. And the other one, which I have also mentioned. I like
1: it that you did mention it because it reminds me of it now.
0: Mm -hmm. The other one is we imagine still today, if you go to Rome, when you go to Rome, you you will see by the (laughs) forum a statue of Augustus. Augustus is the first emperor.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: He's the adopted heir of Julius Caesar. And uh, Augustus is the first emperor. He takes the name of his predecessor julius caesar so he calls himself caesar so then he then begins the reign of the caesars from the word caesar we get czar we get kaiser you know right anyway you'll see this statue and he's a really strong guy and he's wearing a a military breastplate and his arms outstretched and he, you know looks strong and handsome and it's fake. I mean, that's not what he looked like. Oh, right. <laughs> According to the records, he was a short guy. He wore high heels to, right. you know, um, make himself taller. He had bad teeth. He was uh... – so it's all about image. And the thing was that nobody ever saw the emperor. No. So when the, the legions went out, yeah. they would take statues of the emperor and they'd plunk it in the main square. Oh, okay. You're not going to show an old guy. No, with... no, no. So he showed this – so – and then the, the obvious one, again, I know we've mentioned this, with Napoleon. Oh, yes. You think of those images of Napoleon, you think of him on that steed crossing the Alps by David. Mm. Okay, actually, the reality was he crossed the Alps on donkey. And yeah. He was, a, he was a small, frumpy bloke. Um, <laughs> so
1: so we need, actually, then Velázquez to come along.
0: Art as propaganda. Tell the truth. Well, that's the thing about Velázquez, you see. He did tell the truth. So his court portraits from Madrid... From the Escorial, just outside Madrid, and then within Madrid itself, they are much more honest. About, yeah. about. of course, there's this big debate. More recent, isn't there? It was um, Hockney's portrait of Is it Hockney's portrait
1: of the Queen? Oh yes, you yes, know, people, yes, yes. People really were not impressed. Mm.
0: Yeah. In fact, most a lot of the portraits of the Queen, people are not that impressed.
1: No.
0: And the, and probably the closer it gets to reality. Mm. The less impressed people are, people want it to be softened around the edge. Yeah. And that she hasn't changed since 1953, and um, but she must have approved that though, surely? Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I would have just would have assumed that someone. If she, you know, if
1: you're the Queen, if you don't want it to go out, you're going to say, I'm sorry, I don't like that. No. Yeah. Well, maybe she's happy for her. you I'm know. Sometimes there's a photo of me, and I just like, oh well, that's what you look like, isn't it? And at the end of the day. Well, you know.
0: see, you see how people take have, have pictures taken of them or take pictures yeah. of themselves and they will swipe through and delete, 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 Exactly. Delete, delete. Oh, I can see my like wrinkles, delete, delete, delete.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean it's I mean, people want to present an image of themselves yeah. which isn't always necessarily the same as reality. No. Certainly when I have when I see pictures of me running in a race, uh, I'm I'm Death, and this is true of all my running friends. We look for the picture where both feet are off the floor, stomachs in, thighs are rippling. I mean, you know, we're not dri- we're not dribbling.
1: <laughs> okay, so when I look at a picture of me with a glass of red wine in my hand, I <laughs> hope that my eye one eye is not closed. Dribbling. <laughs> thighs are rippling. Thighs are
0: rippling. we we'll on now, Phil. <laughs> well. That was, so that is. So you know, maybe if we were, I've never had a, I've never had a portrait. It'd be interesting. I the other day actually, just to conclude, I was in Rome, as I said, and there was a guy doing those. You know, oh yeah. Those touristy portraits, and actually, this guy was really good. And I did momentarily think, <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> for ten euros or twenty euros, and I decided not to.
1: Oh, you should have done. Next time you go back, do it, and then we could do its painting of the week
0: <laughs> as a as a finale to the season. Uh, uh, no, no, we'll put it up for auction. <laughs> that's what we're doing, and that's how you get to pay to go to Rome. Yes, let's do it. On we'll, the back, we'll of get two two pictures made, ten euros each. Put them up for auction, thousand <laughs> euros each. <laughs> All right, let's work on that okay uh thank you. <laughs> that was painting of the week and f- apart from all the nonsense um laughing and tea drinking do, do have a look at this <laughs> yes. painting it and you know have a good look at the you know look at it in detail take your time it's uh, it's fantastic, and if you've not looked, I'm sure many of you have of oh. course, but if you've not looked at the work of the laugh kit before then um staggering staggering artist that you know influences a lot of people that follow
1: yes and thank you stories mm.
0: see you next time <laughs> thank you for listening to the painting of the week podcast for more information please visit our website at seventh art.com or contact us by emailing info at seventh art.com see you next time